as, as Kristen comes up, today we celebrate the Lord's table. And um, the message from John 4 just dovetails right into the Lord's table. So would you please um, stand if you're able to. Worship from the heart. These songs uh, I pick reflect, I think, the attitude we need to have. Okay? So I'll turn it over to you guys. Oh. Hey, guys. I don't know if you got... We're, we're going right into the next song, so just keep, keep going. All right. Thanks.
You came down from heaven, meek and filled with love for your fellow man, fully God, fully man. You taught us the way to treat, to treat each other and how to worship you. You fell and Satan laughed, but not for long. On the third day you rose and wiped that smirk off of Satan's face forever. Lord, we praise your name that you are our God and sing to you our adoration. For you alone are God and we worship you. Amen. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash 
read with me, folks. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's uh, from the uh, King James Study Bible. The Great Commission, which we just read, brings the first gospel to its grand finale. Christianity is not represented here as the mere reverential devotion of disappointed men who honor their martyred, martyred leader. Here is a far different scene. The triumphant living Lord sends forth his ambassadors to proclaim his gospel throughout the world. The Great Commission is not just an order, but a pronouncement of victory by the risen Savior through his disciples. All the power or authority is now in the hands of Christ, in heaven and on earth. On the basis of that authority and power, the Christian disciple is to carry out the Great Commission of the Church. Go ye, though a participle conveys the force of a command. Go. In other words, the idea expressed is that you must go and make disciples. Teach all nations can be translated as disciple all nations. Thus, the converting, the converting influence of the gospel is indicated here. The all nations clearly indicates that the commission to the church is a worldwide one encompassing the entire missionary effort. The church is not merely missionary-minded. The church is the vehicle of Christ's mission of the world. Good words. As we uh, continue service, I, let me just uh, show you this. Up on the table, uh, Dr. Fuji at uh, Crossbridge, uh, Crossbridge at Tom's River Community Church uh, gave us uh, these pamphlets. Uh, I believe we're 21 days away from Easter starting today. And in this pamphlet, uh, it's based on Daniel's prayer in uh, Daniel 10, verses 2 to 13. And the end of and Ephesians also, by the way, two passages. Uh, and he put Romans in here too. I didn't even see the Romans passage. But the whole point of this is to pray for 21 days leading up to Easter. And on the back is 21 days of prayer. And today I prayed for, and you can put what you prayed for on that day. All right. One of the reasons for doing this, does anybody know how long it takes to form a habit? 21 days. All right takes 21 days to form a, a habit. And one of the weaknesses, I believe, in the American church, both corporately and individually, is lack of prayer. So this is a good tool to, to use if you want. Now, I've got a bunch of these up here. 
uh, you're welcome to them if you uh, if you want. Uh, the only thing I ask, if you're not going to use them, don't take them, okay? Uh, but if, um, if you want a handy tool to remind you every day and then put down what you pray for and then hold on to it because after Easter, you could always revisit this and say, oh, gee, God answered this, he answered this, he answered this, and, and, and you could be uh, encouraged back. So they're up here, and uh, you're welcome to take one if you're going to use it. Um, so we thank Dr. Fuji for doing that. Those, um, those are expensive to process. They're like $4 each. Uh, and he just gave them to us out of generosity. So uh, we appreciate that. As we go to prayer today, uh, I know Pat's not been feeling well since last week. Uh, we need to uh, uphold Pat in prayer. We need to uphold um, our country in prayer and I believe we need to uphold the church in prayer uh, if you've been following uh, the news uh, there was uh, some spiritual renewal going on at Asbury College and uh, Cedarville University and other pockets in the country um, you can't produce this okay uh, we, and churches try and it's a mistake an awakening like that is, is the product of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people. And one of the mistakes, I think, is to try to stop it. All right? Some people have asked me when, when the Asbury uh, College uh, you know, started to get attention because of what was happening in their chapels, uh, is it legitimate? And I said, listen, I'm not God. But if this is a move of, of God, just get out of the way and let God do what he wants. So my job with, with us as a congregation is to help prepare us should God send a revival. Uh, and again, we can't manufacture it. We can ask for it, but we can't manufacture it. One of the prerequisites, I've studied revivals in the Bible, and one of the prerequisites are, I'll give, you, I'll give you a few, a return to confession, repentance, and, and forgiveness, okay? A return to the Word of God. In other words, taking the Word of God seriously and growing in it. And the third is a return to worship. Those are inseparable in any type of renewal or revival. So my prayer, you know, I'll let you in on a little bit of my uh, bucket list. Um, God, I asked God many years to open up an opportunity for me to preach in a black church. And he, he gave me that opportunity. Some of you were there uh, to do that. It was great. Uh, we were so embraced. We felt like family. And uh, I had the opportunity to share the word of God, you know, with them. And my other um, bucket prayer, if I can put it that way, is that God would keep me alive long enough to see revival. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to, let me say, I'd like to be translated from this life to the next during a revival. That would be a good way to go, right? So, you know, th those are the things... 
And listen, you know, we, we take a lot for granted. You know, every day uh, that God gives us is a gift. And I know for young people this is a, a hard concept because you have many years ahead of you. However, the admonition from Scripture is to live as if, as if Jesus is coming back today. And so that's what Paul says. And we need to do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we pray, we need to pray for the American church, um, and we need to pray uh, for those uh, who are hurting physically, emotionally. Uh, keep praying for Gloria as she recovers. The arm is getting better. Glad to report that. And uh, th I want to thank all of you who have helped her uh, through this. Uh, that's the body of Christ coming together. Uh, so let's go to prayer, and um, I'll pray. and. Uh, and after the prayer, we'll take the offering. Father, as we come before you this morning, we come before you, Father, realizing that you are God, that you are our creator, and that in love, you sent your son to restore us to a relationship with you. And that is done through the cross, and the resurrection. And so, Father, we give you thanks for our great salvation. Father, I want to pray for Pat in particular. And, um, and uh, even, even um, uh, Barbara and Joe, who have been struggling with colds and sinus infections and uh, fevers, uh, pray, Father, that you would bring healing and uh, restore them to health. Father, I pray for one of uh, Pastor Fuji's deacons, uh, Don Bowen. He's in the last stages, Father, of um, his time here on earth. He has served you well. We pray, Father, that his transition from this life to the next would be very peaceful. And we pray for his wife, Mary, also, Father, that you would sustain her during this time. And Father, for our government, I just continue to pray that, that they would seek you, your word, for wisdom. That those who don't know Christ would come to Christ in humility, confession, and repentance. Father, we also uh, pray for the American church. We desperately need a spiritual awakening. Help us start with, with us, Father. Help us to embrace what some older theologians would call holy gossip. And Father, help us to be part of the kingdom to spread the good news. And so, Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus, and we pray that, Father, as we take the offering today, you would bless the gift and the giver. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if I can have help from a couple of guys and or ladies, you know what?
Okay. Let me do a little survey with you, okay? <laughs> Doesn't cost you a penny. Would we agree with Scripture that gossip is a sin? Okay? Boy, you don't sound pretty convinced on that. Okay? I mean, Scripture says gossip is a sin. And uh, many times, uh, gossip can destroy a local church. It's, uh, it's hideous. And James puts it this way. With the tongue, one minute we can bless God. With the other minute, with, with, next minute we, we curse God with the same tongue. And I believe that when we engage in gossip, we curse God. And, and people will come up to me and say, but pastor, what I'm saying is true. It doesn't matter. You know, say it to the person. Don't tell me. Say it to the person. And, you know, gossip remains a problem. And the reason why it remains a problem, even in the church, is because um, our culture has normalized it many ways. Um, you can see it. It's amazing. Turn on any soap opera, and within two minutes, you'll figure out the plot. Right? Who's gossiping about who? Right? Uh, and it, it just gets maddening. Um, and having, you know, been in management for many years uh, in secular work, uh, it was always amazing to me that when one person left a room, everybody talked about that person. And they come back, and then they start talking about the other person who left the room. And it just, I mean, it's crazy. I put a stop to it. You got something to say, say it to somebody's face. And if you don't want to say it to somebody's face, then I'm going to use what my mother would say. Keep your mouth shut. Right? Uh, so gossip is a sin. But some of the old theologians coined the phrase holy gossip. I like that. And all that is meant by holy gossip is that we gossip about the Lord Jesus Christ to others. Now, you can't... You can't really gossip about Jesus because he's all present, right? We're not talking behind his back, but we're talking about him and his love and his salvation, his holiness, his name, you know? And actually, this came more from the Puritan theologians uh, calling this holy gossip. And you would say, well, what does that mean? Listen, we just passed the Super Bowl, and uh, Kansas City was victorious. Sorry, Tommy. Uh, no, it's James, I know. Uh, over, over the Eagles, right? I mean, fans of athletic teams love to gossip about their team, don't they? Right? I mean, if Philly would have had victory, the streets would have, been, would have erupted, right? Everybody's celebrating and, and all. Uh, you know, even with the World Series or the, the, the Masters Cup or whatever sport it is, you know, uh, we, we kind of like to live vicariously through other people and we, we gossip about it. You know, I can remember the first time I saw a young Tiger Woods uh, golfing. I don't like golf. You know, I think it's like watching grass grow. But 
when I saw him hit a ball, it was like masterful. He, he at the time, I think he was probably the best golfer living. And you know, there's and I hear people say, oh, "Yeah, you got to watch this Tiger, man. It's poetry in action." Yeah, that may be true. But I want to suggest to you, we we kind of get stuck bragging about things that don't matter eternally. And this is kind of part two of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And um, let me me just frame this out for you, okay? We're in uh, John chapter 4, starting at verse 27. Remember last week, Jesus engages a Samaritan woman, a half-breed, half-Gentile, half-Jew, at at the well of Jacob, as a matter of fact. And um, Jesus had been traveling. He was tired. He sat down. And this woman came to get water. And all Jesus did was ask her for water. And they got into a conversation, right? And the first thing she says to Jesus, you're a Jew. What do you want to do? You know, what would you have with me, a Samaritan woman? Because Jews hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans got used to being rejected by the Jews. So now here's a rabbi, Jesus, engaging this woman, breaking all the cultural rules. It was bad enough she was a Samaritan, compound that to the fact that she was a woman, because good Jewish males did not talk to women in public. That was the culture. I like Jesus because he made the religious legalist angry. <laughs> you know, the, the, the legalist who, who add to the word of God and create these laws that God never intended. And that encounter was all about breaking barriers down. The gospel knows no barriers. Um, the gospel is meant for everybody. For God so loved what? The world. Right? It's meant for everybody, male, female. Uh, it's meant for uh, Italians, Germans. It's meant for Jews. And, and, you know, whoever would come to the cross, there's no discrimination there. And Jesus was showing this in a very concrete way. So he engaged the woman, confronted her with her sin, not condemned her. There's a big difference. He kind of revealed her sin so she could deal with it. And she was honest with it once Jesus confronted it. And then she started to believe that this was the Messiah. And something changed. Right? Listen, we'll pick it up from there. It says, just then, Jesus' disciples returned and were surprised the word there, it's kind of a bad translation, surprise. The word is absolutely astonished to find him talking with a woman. Wow, did he lose his mind? He's talking with a woman. A Samaritan woman, no less. But look at this. You know, the, the uh, disciples early on were kind of cowards, right? But no one asked... What do you want, or why are you talking with her? That's what they were thinking. 
right? But they were afraid to ask. Well, Jesus continues. Then leaving, leaving her water jar, that's a big deal, by the way. Le, uh, leaving her water jar, a jar at the well, the woman went back to town and said to people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one? Whoa. I'll translate this literally. It says, then she left in a hurry. She left in a hurry to go back and tell the people in the town. I think, I think I met the Messiah. He told me everything about him. That's good gossip. That's good gossip. That's what that woman should be doing, correct? Listen, that's what we should be doing. There's a lot here in this passage that we can learn. Now, at this woman's word, and this woman didn't have a good reputation. If you remember, she had five husbands. And then the guy she's living with is not her husband. And the town knew it, but they listened. This woman was serious. They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. If you remember, they uh, went to town to get food. And, you know, Jesus was tired. He was thirsty, obviously, and, and hungry. And he gives them this reply. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples kind of scratched their head, right? Then his disciples said to each, could someone have uh, brought him food? They didn't ask him directly. They were talking to each other. Is he not hungry anymore? What's he talking about? Somebody uh, bring him food? And then Jesus says this. My food, said Jesus, is to what? Do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What Jesus is saying here, it's just, he didn't, he didn't, he's not saying he doesn't need physical food. But we, what he is saying here the greatest satisfaction that I could ever have is to do the will of the Father who sent me and to finish the work he sent me to do, which is the cross and the resurrection. You know, there's something very satisfying to know that when you're faced with life or situations, and you do the right thing in God's eyes. There's something very satisfying about that. Isn't there? I mean, <laughs> we're fast coming up on April 15th. <laughs> uh, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you, right? <laughs> it's one of the biggest lies. But anyhow. Um, we're fast approaching April 15th and um, a lot of times people tend to um, stretch the truth 
it's another way to say lie, uh, on their income tax so they can perhaps get more money back. And listen, there's a difference in obeying what Jesus, you know, Jesus talks about taxes, doesn't he? What does he say? Render to Caesar what's due Caesar and give to the Lord what's due him, right? So when you fill out your taxes and everything that you put on that paper is the truth, you have nothing to worry about. Isn't that true? I mean, I don't know where this whole thing about hiring 80,000 new IRS agents um, stands at this point. But if they do, the, do that, they're going to be looking at tax returns with fine-tooth combs. And as long as you do what's truthful, you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to worry about. You see, my food is to do the will of him. You pay to Caesar what Caesar's. You pay... To God, what's due God? Tithes, offerings, worship. Worship. Right? Then he goes on. Disciples are, you know, they're kind of thick-headed. And he says, don't you, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until the har harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They, they meaning people, are ripe for harvest. Now, listen, we, we, we live in a screwed up time, don't we? All right? And we live in a time where being a Christian uh, is not popular. We also live in a time where living the way Christ would have us to live could be very challenging. And this is saying, open your eyes because there's people out there who are ready for the gospel. They're there, ready for the gospel. They're ripe for harvest. We need to listen to these words because they apply to the church today. It says, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and, a, and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together, right? Someone plants, someone else reaps. So the planter and the sower can enjoy that together. Thus to say one sows and another reaps is true. Listen, you don't have to be a theologian to share your faith. Now it helps to know the scriptures but even at that, you have one thing that is on your, well, you have two things on your side. First of all, the Holy Spirit's on your side. Second of all, you have your story, the story of your conversion. Isn't what this, the woman at the well, isn't that what she did? Come and see the Messiah. He told me everything I've done. And he didn't condemn me. Come and see. That's the gospel message. Come and see. Meet Jesus. 
Learn how much he loves you. Learn how much he wants you to come to him through faith and repentance. Boy, we gossip about a lot of stuff, don't we? When was the last time we gossiped about Jesus? Watch how this works out. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, God, God's been doing the sowing through other means with the people outside these doors. You didn't do that. Your job is now to go out and reap. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. You see, Billy Graham caught, caught this. If you looked at Billy Graham, um, they used to call them crusades. Now they call them something else, but they used to call them crusades. And no matter where Billy Graham went, he filled stadiums, right? Here's what, how it was done, because I was involved on two of these. A year before the crusade, churches get a packet to give out to their people where you pray for five people to be saved, okay? Five people you have a relationship with to be saved. And as you pray for them, but, you know, the, the material says, look for opportunities to, to share God, you know, the gospel with them very gently, very lovingly. And then as you come closer to the crusade, invite them out. And that's, that's how the stadiums got full. And then when he gave an altar call, thousands came. Well, you see, God had already sown the seed through other people. And now Billy Graham was able to reap the harvest through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's simple. Now, the, the thing I liked about the Billy Graham organization, still do, is the fact that when people come to Christ, they connect them with a local church so they can grow in the Lord, be discipled. Because remember the, the Great Commission that uh, Chip read for you before? Go into your world doesn't say to make converts. It says to make disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching them all things I've taught you. Teach them to obey those things and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, the church in America needs to be doing that. We need to be doing what God and Jesus himself commands us to do. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what? This woman's testimony. You're going to believe this sinful woman? She goes through men like water? She's living with a guy out of wedlock? According to Jewish law, she could have been stoned to death. But this Jesus, he talked to her? Man, what a story this woman had to tell. He told me everything I ever did. Simple story, right? So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. You know, they, they 
now they came and saw Jesus. And he said, well, hey, this, this woman's changed. We want to know why she's changed. Would you stay with us and teach us? And it says, because of his words, Jesus' words, many, many more became believers. Started with one sinful woman. And many in the town get saved. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really, and catch this, is the savior of the world. That was enough for the Pharisees to try to kill Jesus. You know, they, might, they may have been a little bit lenient if they said this man is the savior of the Jews. But no, this man is the savior of the world. That term is so important, I cannot, I cannot put into words of how important that is. This all happens in Samaria, where people are half Jewish and, and, and half Gentile. And it was unbelievers who came to faith and said, this man, this Jesus, is the savior of the world. That proclamation is so important. I want to say, I want to suggest to you that's the proclamation of Easter. Behold, the Savior of the world. Wow. You know, let's not underestimate the power of God. Let's not underestimate that you have the same authority that the apostles have passed on from Christ that you have the same authority to go make disciples in your world what, hey, listen nobody likes to hear the words no or get lost or anything like that. But I've come to learn that those things, if God, if God is working in somebody's life, those things will not stop that person from coming in Christ. You know, I'm going to give you an example. I had a bookkeeper who worked for me who was very well into saving whales, uh, animal life, and... Um, was a very, very uh, advocate of pro-life, and I'm sorry, uh, pro-abortion uh, stance. And uh, in the office, this goes back to Nixon, no, Reagan, I'm sorry. This goes back to Reagan, oh, who said shoo? All right, yeah, I'm that old. Uh, going, going back to Reagan where he wanted to repeal Roe versus Wade, which just got repealed last year, but, uh, and um, 
First question out of her mouth, who is he to tell me what to do with my body? And, and I said, are you asking me? She said, yeah. I said, well, it's not him. Oh, I suppose it's God. Well, yeah. Well, I suppose he came down and told you. Well, in a sense, he did. He came to earth, and he died and rose again, but his word is all in the Bible. And then she proceeded to call me names that were not flattering. Okay? I, um, that was my first year seminary. I was working and, and going to seminary. And um, she left the company to get, she's very talented in what she did. She left the company to get another job, and her uh, husband was in heating and air conditioning. And at one of the calls that he had to make in a house, this book caught his attention called Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, right? And he says um, to the homeowner, can I, can I read this in my lunchtime? And wisely, she said, you can have it. By the time he got home that night, he read the whole book. And he went to his wife, my former bookkeeper, and said, you got to read this. And she did. And they both knelt down to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So a few months later, I get a letter from my ex-bookkeeper saying, Dear Lou, I just want you to know that my husband and I came to know the Lord. And, you know, she, she kind of told me what they were doing. Um, if I recall right, he went off to Bible college, and they were ministering at a church in South Jersey. I don't know if they're still there. But I called, and I said, tell me how it happened. And she told me the story about mere Christianity. And she says that as she was reading the book, everything we talked about started coming back to her. I said, praise God. I said, all he did was plant the seed. And God used other means to reap the harvest. It's as simple as that. So what if somebody tells you no? So what if somebody tells you to get lost? People tell me that all the time, right? Uh, yeah, you know, you're one of those born-againers. Well, is that bad? Yeah, it's bad. Okay, tell me why. They never could tell me why. But, you know, who cares? The fact of the matter is when we have opportunity and we do it in love, in love, and we plant a seed, then we can rest and know we did the Father's will. The church desperately needs us today. The church has been really deficient. I'm, not, I'm talking about in general now, right? On individual corporate prayer, on reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, and on evangelization, sharing the gospel, with other people. There's opportunities galore. Last Sunday, or I don't remember what day it was, um, I have a shirt, has Crossbridge Community Church on it, and it has a, a cross with a towel around it. And um, uh, we, were <coughs> we were in line, I think, at McDonald's, and there was a fellow standing, and he kept looking at me, 
And, and I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I love your shirt. I said, well, that's the cross of Christ. And this guy was maybe 16, 17 years old. And he said, that's the place of forgiveness. I said, that's right. So somebody told him already, right? You never know. You never know. So my question to you is, you, would you dare to be different? <coughs> Spreading the gospel is not the work of the pastor alone. It is not the work of the leaders alone. We're commissioned to do it as a church. And with God's help, my prayer is that we obey that commission. I'm going to ask uh, the men come up. I'm going to I'm running short. Sorry, I, I said I was going to get done a little early today, but it didn't work out. We're going to come around the Lord's table, and this is a, a time for us to examine ourselves, uh, to say that, um, okay, Lord, it's, this is a table for believers. You don't necessarily have to be a member, but this is a table where we can come and be honest with God Confess sins that need to be confessed and receive forgiveness. So we prepare our hearts to receive communion. So I'm going to ask the men to uh, pass out the bread. Would you all hold and we'll pass out, uh, we'll uh, partake together. Do you realize the leader of every other religion is dead? Still in the grave. And, he, and they died through natural causes. Jesus is the only one who willingly gave his life for me and you. So that we, through faith, might have forgiveness for sin. But on the way to the cross, he was beaten. They pulled his beard, spit at him, mocked him, put a crown of thorns on his head, which were painful. The beating was so severe, Scripture says he was unrecognizable. And Jesus, at the Last Supper, uses the bread as an illustration, and he says this. This is my body, which is broken for you. 
Do this in remembrance of him. Would you partake, please? Cup will be passed out, and if you hold it, we'll partake together. In the Passover supper, there's four cups. One of the cups is called a cup of redemption. And Jesus took that cup and he passed it around and he says, this is the symbol of my blood, which he shed for you, for me. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. You see, there needed to be the shedding of blood by the perfect lamb. Jesus Christ himself. And he says that this blood marks a new covenant. That I will never ever leave you or forsake you. He says when you drink this, do this in remembrance of him. Would you drink please? It's customary and we're going to wait upon you now for um, the uh, benevolence fund offering if you feel led to give so we can help others out with, uh, with any needs. While they're doing that, let me just remind you, if you want to take part in the 21 days of prayer, uh, come and take one. I'll, li I'll leave these on the, uh, the pulpit. You can just take one and, and there we go. Kristen? Once more into the breach. Let's not forget or ever take for granted God's amazing grace towards us in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you can, would you be able to stand please and worship?
say amen. Amen. Remember, as we walk through those, well, through that door uh, and go back into the world, we're on the mission field. That's our mission field. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for uh, the great worship, the prayers, the time in the word, Father. Holy Spirit, help us to apply what we learn to our lives today. Help us to continue to do what glorifies you. And Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. Dismiss us in the power of your spirit, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. That is good. That is good. Mm -hmm. I have to run. I love you all. Thank you for coming today.